mentioned, today is our third Sunday of Advent, and it's when we focus on joy. And we're going to look at the story recorded in Luke 2 today of the angels appearing to the shepherds. This is a time in Advent where we are waiting and anticipating the coming of Christ as we sang about this morning and the fact that he's already here as well. Angels often heralded messages directly from God, and this is no exception. Angels had news to share, good news about great joy. Thank goodness for some good news. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard listening to the news. I don't know about you. I remember Brent th- went through a season. I promised myself I wouldn't talk about Trump, actually, but he went through a season <laughs> where we were working out at the gym. This was pre-kids, and, uh, and he would listen to the news often, and it really actually impacted him negatively over time. Anyways, just this past week, uh, there were a few news stories that were hard. Oop. That's okay. Some of you may have heard of them. One was the plane crash that happened on Gabriola Island, um, where three people died, and they were coming up from Mexico, and I don't think, at least I haven't heard of all the details of what happened But this is right in sort of our backyard, so to speak, of a tragedy in the Christmas season. Um, You may not have heard, but um, in about six months ago, there was a human trafficking hotline set up in Canada. And since then, they've had over a thousand calls in six months. That's here again, in our country, in our land, a thousand calls regarding human trafficking mostly coming from the Toronto area, actually. That's devastating news, really. And many of you probably heard about the New Zealand volcano eruption that happened on the island where... Whoops. Well, maybe I don't know how to work this. Oh, thank you. I have Andrew. (laughs) Did I? Okay. I shouldn't be laughing because this is not a laughing matter. 15 people died um, in a volcano eruption that happened on a little island. And um, for whatever reason, um, the professionals in the field of volcanoes didn't see it coming. Nobody saw it coming. And so, again, these were tourists traveling, um, trying to have a good time. And 15, I think actually now the count is up to 16, Brent said, people who passed away uh, tragically this past week, right before Christmas. It's got me thinking about how the world is both bleaker than we can imagine, um, and fortunately, in some ways, we can't imagine just how bleak that the world is. Um, But it's also more hopeful than I think we ever can imagine, too. We need to exercise care when we're listening to the news of the day, uh, remembering that for a single person experiencing a tragedy... Many have had an ordinary day of living and loving and taking care of their families. For every news bite of the depravity of humanity, there is a heaping feast of stories, if only we knew, lauding the miracle of humans uniting together and happiness unfolding. Sometimes there is even a story of a miracle of the kingdom of heaven breaking into our world 
of good news about great joy. Here's just a few good news stories for us to think about. Whoops. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, NASA reports that the Earth is greener now than 20 years ago, believe it or not. Thanks in large part due to China and India and massive initiatives happening around tree planting. Um, There's a group in India who wanted to win the world record for planting the most number of trees in 24 hours, and it was in the millions. A group of people came together and planted millions of trees, and they won the world record. This is a good news story. We often think of those countries as being uh, the primary polluters in our world, and that may be true, but they're also making headway in terms of understanding how important it is to care for our earth. I was pretty excited about this one. Uh, There's a Malawi chief, uh, her name is Teresa Kachindamoto, who has been in office now for, I think, 14 years, And she has been in the process over these years of annulling child marriages. Um, And just this past year alone, she annulled 1,500. So what that means is that girls who are married, um, when they're still a child and don't have the ability to consent, um, she's actually coming in and making those marriages null. And then she's actually providing income for those girls to attend school and pursue an education. That is fantastic news. A little more locally in our backyard, not quite in our backyard, in our American backyard, um, there's a vineyard church. um, It's called the Vineyard Church of Ann Arbor. It's in Michigan. And they made a donation to a nonprofit organization called RIP, Rest in Peace Medical Debt. Uh, And that enabled the cancellation of $2.9 million of medical debt for over 2,000 individuals. That was just this past year. And in fact, other churches have been partnering with this organization and doing the same thing. Another larger church, uh, I think it was a Baptist church, did the same for about $8 million worth of debt for families. It's just a fantastic initiative. Uh, And so right within our vineyard family, this is a beautiful story. When listening to the news, whether good or bad, I'm really reminded of how stories impact us every day. We connect with stories at an emotional and sometimes even a visceral level, like a gut level. We feel people's pain or joy when we engage with their stories. We even like recycled worn-out stories. In fact, it's been suggested that there are only seven basic plot lines in stories. Do you want to know what they are? Uh, Overcoming. Yeah, that would just be the one. (laughs) Overcoming the monster. Rags to riches. The quest. The voyage and the return. Comedy. Tragedy. And rebirth. Uh, And when you narrow it down to Christmas movies, this number drastically decreases. Or as Jamie Chase asked and answered on Facebook this week, 
What has 14 actors, four settings, two writers, and one plot line? 632 Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> Apparently, Christmas movies only have that one plot line, boy meets girl. <laughs> How many of you have watched these movies? Maybe a long time ago. We're showing our age here. Yes, Brent, the 80s does have some great movies. Unlike Crocodile Dundee, which we watched this past week, and it was not a great movie. <laughs> More recently, how many of you have watched Inkheart? A little bit less well-known. Um, these movies are all stories about literature coming to life and interacting with the reader. I don't know about you, but I like to think that we get to do the same with Scripture, with our book. The Bible is the biggest, best story ever told. It sweeps across all of human history, and its central protagonist, the hero of all heroes, is Jesus Christ himself. What's amazing is that ordinary folks like you and I just like in these movies, these ordinary folks, we get to participate. We get to be part of this story for real. I find sometimes, I don't know about you, but I find that dry words on a page can jump off and into my heart when the Spirit breathes on those words. It doesn't always happen. I wish it happened more than it even did. Sometimes Brent and I are reading and we're just sort of perplexed to be honest, but there's other times where something just leaps off that page and jumps inside my heart. Sometimes I imagine myself in a Bible story, identifying with a character, experiencing empathy or distaste for events or for people, feeling curiosity or confusion about how and why things happen the way that they really do or did. But most of all, I wonder. I wonder about God. I wonder about this hero of all heroes. And I hope to gain a little understanding as I wonder and wrestle and allow this story of all stories to impact me through and through. Let's take a look at our story for today. Can I have someone come up here and read this scripture for me? Whoops, am I? Oh, okay. Come on up here, Michael. All right. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of the sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. By, uh, They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. The story, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David, and 
you will re- recognize him by his sign. This sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, an angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished by But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) As I was reading this story... I first wondered, why, why shepherds? Why, why did the angels show up to the shepherds of all people? Why, was it, why did this happen nearby Bethlehem? In doing some research, I learned that this area is called, and I'll probably mispronounce this, but Migdal Eder, or the Tower of the Flock, this area where the shepherds were. And this was a place where lambs destined for the temple in Jerusalem were born and raised. Generations of hereditary shepherds tended the sacred flocks. Although they were common folks in some respect, and shepherds were often um, sort of lower in the social order, I would say. Hi, Lily. Um, These shepherds had a special job they would separate out the unblemished firstborn males from the rest of the flock to take to Jerusalem for purchase by those who wished to atone for their sin by sacrificing a lamb. If I have learned nothing else from Scripture over all these years, it's that nothing is for nothing. Or in other words, every little tiny detail has significance. That's why the Old Testament is as important as it is, because it sets everything up for when Jesus shows up. And every detail means something. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's born in just the right place at just the right time. The unsuspecting shepherds weren't just in the exact right place at the right time, They were the perfect human messengers of this angelic news. And their news was this, the one who will offer himself as the perfect sacrifice to end all sacrifices for once and for all is right here, right now. 
Sometimes we hear these stories so often, we can consider them ordinary. At least I feel that way sometimes, especially the Christmas story, which we hear every year. Thank goodness it's a good one. But we sometimes flatten the extraordinary nature of what has unfolded with our own lack of creative imagination. We forget to bring our own senses to the table when we're reading these stories. We forget to taste and smell and see and feel and hear as if for the very first time the story. Or worse, we can sometimes relegate these stories uh, to the realm of childish fantasy. We believe the stories theoretically, perhaps, but maybe not actually, not with our whole heart and mind. Sometimes art can be helpful to us here. Sometimes not. The word suddenly really popped out to me. Suddenly an angel appears. Suddenly God's glory is surrounding the shepherds. Suddenly that one angel is joined by a vast heavenly host. Just imagine that. I was chatting with Brent about this last night, and I thought, I bet you this was, there were more angels showing up on the human scene in this particular scene than ever happened before. We often portray angels as beautiful, fair-skinned, and fair-haired women, um, or chubby cherubs, also fair-skinned and fair-haired. Maybe. Maybe not. What we do know is that almost any time an angel makes an appearance in Scripture, people are terrified. We're talking here raw fear. And the shepherds in this story are no exception. Maybe it looked or felt something a little more like this. Or if we use our imaginations. Or maybe a little more like this. We don't know because we weren't there, but it sure is fun to imagine. More angels than we can even dream of. A heavenly host. After reassuring them, the angel shares the remarkable news, the news that will bring great joy for everyone. Every person for all time, believers and unbelievers alike, for the wealthy, for the poor, for the citizen, for the immigrant, for the Caucasian, the African, for the Jew, and for the Arab, for the old woman, and for the little boy, for the medieval knight, and for the modern businessman, for you, and for me. Jesus appearing on the scene is good news of great joy for each one of us. 
this makes me think of a reversal of sorts. We often think of ourselves as stepping into God's story, or at least I do, uh, being a part of his scenes, a part of his characters, a part of his plot line. And that's true. But God likes to step into our stories too, doesn't he? God reads the books of our lives and he steps into our scenes, surprising us often and those with us and transforming our characters and changing our plots. In Jesus, God appears with skin on and he changes everything for all time for everyone. Although this was the penultimate moment in history, it actually was really just the beginning. God continues to read our books and to step into our scenes and to change our lives if and when we let him. I want to just go to this section here. When the angels actually exited back up to heaven, the shepherds wisely said to themselves, let's go, let's see. And after they did, they went and they told, it says, everyone. Now, we don't know who that everyone was, but I imagine it was everyone in the area, everyone that they could possibly meet up with. Everyone. They told them about the miracle that they had witnessed with their own eyes. Emmanuel. God is with us. Joy is with us. Now and for forever. And the people who heard it had an appropriate response, I think, to be honest. They were astonished. This was new news to them. Because we've heard it so many times, sometimes we forget what big news that this was for human beings. This was big news, and people were astonished. Whoopsies. Goodness sake. Oh, my Thank you. (laughs) Good thing I have Andrew here. (laughs) The shepherds went home afterwards, glorifying and praising God. I wonder, did they ever see angels again, do you think? Did they ever see Jesus again? Did they continue to live their lives as they had before? Shepherds out in the field with their flocks? Maybe. We don't get to know the details of their lives after this divine encounter. But one thing we can know for sure, we can guess at the very least, is that they were changed. Profoundly and remarkably changed. Each one of us has a story. And I hope that each one of us has a story of the inbreaking of joy into our lives. The inbreaking of Christ Jesus into our hearts. Emmanuel, reading the books of our lives, 
and entering into words and pages and whole chapters of our stories. Joy is not always the beginning of our stories, although we hope it is, and often when a baby is born, there's great joy, but honestly, not always. And sometimes the beginnings of our stories are really hard, like significantly challenging on a day-to-day basis. But joy is always the ending of our story. It's no wonder that humans like happily ever after stories. (laughs) You should all blow with Lily. Maybe then the candles would go out. We like our happily ever ending stories. I don't know if you guys have ever watched movies or read a book where there's not a happily ever after, or at least like a positive ending to the story. It feels really awful. We really, really like our happily after end stories. And I think part of that is because honestly, in Christ, each one of our stories is truly a happy ending. It really is. Here on earth, we might only catch little glimpses of glory, just like the shepherds caught that one night, that one moment in history. We may be able to number the moments when we have witnessed miracles, but one day soon, we will be eternally in the presence of that host of angels. One day soon, One day soon, we're going to be in the presence of glory 24-7. We're going to be in the presence of joy 24-7. We're going to be in the presence of our dear Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. In the meantime, though, we wait. Advent reminds us of the importance of waiting And remembering that although weeping may last for a night, joy really does come in the morning. It really does. Whenever we are in our stories, wherever we're at in our stories, we can rest assured that if joy is not here right now, it will be soon. Brent and I, as you guys know, walked down our own journey of weeping and joy. Um, And we're pretty thankful and we're super, super blessed to be in a season of joy right now because of these two little cuties. They're our little miracles. Each one of you have stories and you're at a different place in your journey You're somewhere in the midst of weeping or joy, or somewhere in between. I wanted to just point out two of them today. So some of you know Michael Bailey. He and his wife, Joylene, um, used to live here in Kamloops, and they were regular attenders with us for many, many years. Michael recently was diagnosed with ALS, And I feel like he's sort of a living testimony of 2 Corinthians 4.16. Because though his physical body is in some ways 
um, dying. His spirit is being renewed day by day, and he is not giving up. He prays for healing, and we join him. In the meantime, he dreams and he believes that God is with him. This past week, Mike turned 65 years old. Outliving doctors suggested life expectancy. And he celebrated with his family and his friends. Barkley, Alita, and Kelly, and Connie, uh, and Brent went up to Vavenby, where he lives, to see him on the day after his birthday. Alita sent me an email afterwards, and it read like this. Mike shared that since our last visit approximately a month ago, he has more feeling and more sensation in his feet and his legs. Some of you will remember that his feet looked quite purple, but this time they had much better color and a little less swelling. His inner man, regardless of what's unfolding in his outer man, is stronger than I've ever seen it before. And he is witnessing and sharing with the people around him the life that's inside of him thanks to Jesus. It's amazing. Who knows who this little cutie is? This is Athena Dahlgren, Sophie and Evan's third daughter. And she was born with a cleft lip like their first daughter was. This past week, Sophie took Athena to BC Children's Hospital, where Athena had reconstructive surgery, and she got her forever smile, as Sophie put it. Many prayed for this family, and I'm sure the joy that I feel in seeing this baby girl's beautiful little smile right there is mirrored by your own joy. Hi, honey. There is mystery in the why of it all. But there is also exponential gratitude for what most of us take for granted, which is our smiles. It's beautiful. I want to honor those of you who may be struggling to find joy in this Christmas season. You are seen and you're heard and you're remembered by those around you who love you. But more importantly, by Emmanuel by the God who is with you in the midst of your sorrow and your pain. Your lament matters. Jesus entered into human history and he brought great joy, but he also endured great suffering to do so. Both matter, honestly, both matter. And in some ways, they're like two sides of one coin, I feel like. Somehow our capacity for one increases our capacity for the other, doesn't it? May those of us in seasons of joy remember those who aren't. May we extend great compassion to the hurting people around us. May those of us in seasons of sadness Remember those who aren't. Is that a bee? Yes. 
May we extend grace and receive hope from those celebrating around us. I want to ask Marvin to come and join me up here. He's going to share something here just to close things off. I read a a quote by author and scholar Brad Jerzak, who some of you are familiar with, and he eloquently shares these following words that Marvin's going to share with us about joining with those who wait. He is God with us, and not in some magical, misty fog of abstracted presence. No, he is with us, embodied as those who willingly co-suffer with the broken. It means weeping with those who weep, rather than rushing to fix them with empty platitudes. When we hear their story, we bear it with them, as God in Christ did and does. Second, we do our best not to silence their lament. The complaints of those who wait in grief can be messy, and it's tempting to correct them when we hear BS about God or the world or themselves spewing out of their mouths. But those toxic beliefs need a way out, need to be given voice as part of the detox. We need to practice non-judgmental listening in the presence of our unrattled God. And we need to offer up our own honest laments without fear. Third, we join in the waiting with a call for deliverance, committing to not growing bored or jaded and simply moving on when the wait seems too long. How long is the legitimate weeping cry of many in our world today? Let's cry it with them. I think it's appropriate that Marvin shares that quotation. Um, I don't know many, many details of your story, Marvin, but I know that you've had a season of great weeping and a season of great joy. And you can identify, I'm sure, with people in all those spectrums. I think a, a part of that quote that I just want to touch on just briefly is practicing non-judgmental listening in the presence of our unrattled God. Our unrattled God. So where do we go from here, practically speaking? I want to suggest just a few simple options for us to consider this morning. It might be in our best interest to find a good news station that we listen to every once in a while. Because there's lots of good news stories. And honestly, in this community, it's really important that we share our stories with one another. Both our stories of lament and loss, and our stories of joy and celebration. Share your story. And if you're brave enough, share it right when you're in the middle of it. 
that's when it's hardest to do so, isn't it? When there's a bunch of loose ends that haven't really been tied up. This Christmas, I want to just suggest that each one of us takes time at some point to really honestly invite God to break into this chapter of your story, whatever this chapter is. Let's just see what happens. God loves us to invite him to come right in and move and act in our stories. Let's celebrate good news of great joy in this season. I was thinking of that song, Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountains that Jesus Christ is born. We forget that some people, even though they may have heard this story sort of broadly or secondhand, haven't actually experienced this story themselves. Let's tell this story. Let's return to our homes and our jobs, maybe to our extended families over Christmas, and glorify and praise God for all that we've seen and heard, just like the shepherds. And let's remember to rejoice with those who rejoice, but also to weep with those who weep, to be present with people right in the middle of their stories, wherever they're at, just as God is with us.